You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. And recently we did quite a big trip, and I'd like to put the first slide up if we may, and it's a little bit different to perhaps what you would imagine, um, is that we actually went on a bicycle. It's a, it's a tandem, it's a bicycle for two people, and uh, Rona does all the work on the back and I just steer. It's really wonderful. And, and we, we went on a little trip just from Vancouver in Canada all the way down the coast to Mexico, which took a few, few days. And, and we went with that bike, and you can see it's got big bags on it because on there was a tent and little sleeping bags and all those things. And, of course, a coffee maker had to be in there. So it was the only cooking utensil we took was a coffee maker. And uh, we had the most amazing trip all the way down. And why I'm saying this is because the message we're going to be giving you today came out of that. It came out of a, of a long cycle ride of trying to find God in what he was saying to us and maybe to the church at this time. So that's what we really felt we wanted to, to speak to you about. Let's, let's have a little couple of photographs. And we were doing this, you could see on our, on our, on our shirts, it says Tembalicha, which is, means hope. And we were doing it for, for an organization which is part of Every Nation, which is our social outreach arm of Every Nation uh, in South Africa, which is Tembalicha Foundation, where they, they teach children, they look after the terminally ill, and do amazing things in teaching business you know, to people who are down and out. So we were doing for that, and you can see that little teddy bear, that's Tembi Teddy, and we were actually escorting her. She was actually the representative for Tem Tembalicha, so she would get up and speak, and we would just help her. <laughs> and um, so she's still going around the world, and I believe she's in the Grand Canyon this roundabout <laughs> moment, but anyway. So we had a salubrious time, and we had great, a great uh, hotel every night. Let me just have a look at the hotel. Wow. Pretty big. Okay, I am in there. Can you see? I am in there, and John's making me tea in yes. bed. I'm As all good husbands do. Hey, ladies. Yes, yes, yes. Just tell, give him a nudge. Yes, that's what you do. Tea in bed, okay? So, and we went to some very interesting places, and, and how about that one, hey? <laughs> Can you believe that, hey? It gets everywhere, hey, guys? <laughs> Zuma Beach in California. Can you believe that, hey? But we also went over some quite big bridges, uh, kind of like that one and a few others, which were quite, quite scary. But it was an amazing trip, and it took us through places. And as I say, in the course of this, we went to many, many churches. We visited many churches, some Every Nation churches, some actually Victory churches. Wow. We went to churches which were ecclesiastical. There was the, uh, the Episcopalian church. There was the, I don't know, all these different churches, some old Raymond-type churches, and even the Cowboy Church. <laughs> yeah! yeah! <laughs> I got my fiddle out. It was great, you know. So we had an amazing trip. But in that, we learned a lot about church. Yeah. Different churches. And what is God trying to do in church? And uh, that's what we really wanted to speak about today. Hey, Rona. Okay, could we go to the next slide, please? 
Okay, one of the things that is very, very, very on God's heart, I believe, is family. So this is a picture of some of our family. Okay, recently, great-granny died. I'm going to come over here. Okay, so the, the guy on the left-hand side, we have two sons. That is our son, Jonathan, and it's his wife's granny who died. And this was the morning of Jonathan did the memorial service for her. We'd all been asked to wear a touch of green. That is our six grandchildren with their six grandparents. Don't see that very often these days, do you? But we feel very, very rich to have all those family and all close by. Um, and I was talking to Pastor Eric this morning, and I said, family is God's idea. Family is God's idea. The first family, I'm going to just pick on some people. I only know about three names here. Where's Theo? Oh, See, Listen, that's one everybody name give I know. Theo a big hug today. It's his birthday today. Oh. So give Theo a hug, okay? Okay, can I, can I spare, take a couple of minutes yeah, to do this? Right, I'm going to take Pastor Eric. Pastor Eric, we honor oh, yeah. this man. He's an amazing man of God. And this is only an example, guys. Okay, it's only an example. But for today, he's going to be God the Father. Whoa. Okay? <laughs> he's not the Godfather, and he's not God. But just for my example, he's going to be God the Father. God the Father, in the beginning God. And the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep, right in the beginning. Okay, where's Salome? Is she here? How could she lose two? Flip, we're getting rid of your congregation. Sorry. Okay, I know Wecha's name. Wecha? Wecha? Oh, sorry. Oh, crikey. I'm useless at these names. Come, Benga. You can be the spirit of the Lord. Okay. Hovering. Hover. Hover. Okay. I know I've got this name. Uber. Come. In the beginning was the... And the word was with God and the word was God. Okay. Now, in the beginning, this is the first family. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is just an example, guys. Don't get caught up with the people. But they were in the beginning together, and they said, let us, let us in our image. Now, can I have a group hug from you guys? Group hug. Now, that is what we keep see. Keep Come, keep hugging. Hey, they're even color-coded. Look at that. <laughs> This is what we see. We think there's only one because they're so close and they're so together and they're so in tune that we think, well, it's God. But it's actually God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay, come out of that hug before her Uber has another hot flash. <laughs> okay, now... In the midst of this family, in the midst of this family, we hear Jesus saying, I only do what I see my father do. The father says of Jesus, this is my, in whom the Holy Spirit brings honor to the father and to the son. Jesus said, it's better if I go because 
Do you ever hear the younger one going, oh, man, let that old man go now. He's, he's past it. Do you ever hear the father saying, oh, he's too young. He doesn't know what he's about. No. There is always honor between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is the first family. And then he says, let us make man in our image. I'm asking you today, as you go about your daily life, are you bringing honor? Are you bringing honor to the children of God? Is your mouth saying, yes, I'm made in God's image. I'm going to look for the gold in that person. I'm going to look for the good in that person. We're all different. You know, we have, we've got these six glorious grandchildren. They're like Noah's Ark. There's two nine-year-olds, two seven-year-olds, and two four-year-olds. No, no twins. Um, and they are so different. And I have to say, Hannah, you are amazing the way you swim. And Hannah will tell you everything that happened. Micah doesn't really speak. Micah is the big guy in the middle. He plays the trumpet. Great trumpet. But, you know, but I'm looking for the gold. That was great the way you played the trumpet. I'm not saying, why don't you ever talk to me? I'm not saying to Hannah, oh, for goodness sake, stop talking. I'm saying, you know, I love the way that we can have a conversation. Are you honoring like God the Father, God the Son, and the God the Holy Ghost? Because you're made in his image. Thank you for your illustration. That's my, my God-given people this morning. Okay, and I, we have got a message. Honestly, we have. Um, and that's not even in it. So... I was reading this amazing book, and Pastor Eric just said, How Heaven Invades Earth, and the book, of my, the book I've got here is How Heaven Invades Earth. And um, in that foreword, Chris Villotten, who's the author, he says, I dedicate this, this book to my children's, 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 children. And though we won't meet until we get to heaven, I wanted you to know that I had you in mind as I wrote every word in this book, and I continue to hold you in my heart, you will become the answers to my prayers and the fulfillment of my prophecies. And by the time you read this book, I'll be watching you from heaven. And that is our prayer that, just like you can see the generations there, that your generation will speak to the next generation. And your children's children's children will honor God, serve him, and love him. And we're going to just touch on a few things of how to build. Can we pray? Yes. Father, you've called us with a high calling. You've created us in the image of God. Oh, Father, let us not take it lightly. Let us not take it lightly. Life on earth is a brief moment. But Lord, let us leave an inheritance that will be strong and grow firm, that your kingdom comes and your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, build your church through us. Jesus, you say you will build your church. Help us to build with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Oh, now I can start. He says, oh, all right, oh, okay. Could we have the next slide, please? All right, I, as somebody, you asked me, am I, what am I? What nationality? Now I said, well, yes, you're right, I'm British. British by birth, but I'm South African by choice. I hold a South African 
passport. But when I was growing up in, in England, um, I used to catch the bus back and forth to school and so on. And every day there was a man on the side of the hill and he was building a stone wall. And day by day, just can we go back one a minute? Just, just press the up arrow. No, that's fine. It doesn't matter. Okay, he was building a stone wall. It was a dry stone wall. And he would take the stones. Let's just assume there was a stone here. Take the stones and he'd go, does that fit? No, 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 no. We want something a bit bigger. We want something a bit smaller. And he put this, these walls together and they were beautiful. It was a slow process. But I go back 50 years later... And those walls are still looking as good as they started. Those walls survive rain, a lot of it in England. They survive snow and ice in the winter. They survive the heat of the summer. And they survive the animals and the people coming in and out. When we build, we want to build for every season. We want to build for longevity. And we want to build so that it's attractive. And these guys on the bottom are building together. They've built an arch. When you put the stones together like that, instead of being flat, when they're in a... Too near the mic. When they're in a sort of convex shape like that, they support one another and they bring strength to one another. So what are we building? It's interesting that if you go to Israel, we went to Israel once, and we learned something which is in the Bible, is that there are two types of stone in Israel. If you're walking across a field, you'll see lots of stones just lying in the field. You probably hit one with your toe, you'll know all about it. And, uh, you know, there's stones lying around all over the place. It's a stony place. And those stones are called dead stones because they're of no use. In fact, they're a nuisance. But the moment that a stone is picked up and placed into a wall, it is called a living stone. And it becomes something that is alive and living. And there's a distinct difference between a dead stone and a living stone. Now, you can see that in your life because when you became a, before you became a Christian, you were a dead stone. You were just there for everyone to trip over. But the moment that you were picked up and you were placed in the wall by Jesus, you became a living stone. And there's a scripture that describes it so well, which um, is 1 Peter 2 verse 4. And I'm going to read this to you from the message. It says, welcome to the living stone, the source of life. The workman took one look and threw it out, but God set it in. In the place of honor. Present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life, in which you'll serve as holy priests, offering Christ approved lives up to God. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be holy people, God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him to tell other, others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. And I'm going to add on, from dead to being alive. You and me, we're living stones. 
We're rejected by men. How many feel rejected by men sometimes? We're rejected by men. But God, the stonemason, took some time and he sees you as precious. He sees you as anointed. And he sees you as a stone that is really worth selecting. So he will walk around looking somewhere for a stone to fit a certain wall in this church. And he's looking. So he's kicking over this stone, that stone. No, I don't want that stone. It's later somewhere else. But then he will find a stone that has a unique shape. There is nothing else. There's no other stone in the world that looks like this. Do you know that? Not one stone that looks like this. There's not one stone that has the composition of this. This is unique. And he selects it because he's seen the hole in the wall that needs to be filled. And he takes it and he brings it and he slots it in. He slides it in. So it sits snugly between other stones to make a living wall, a place where he can be glorified. Amen? Amen. So here is a living stone. We'll put it there for the time being. So if you look at the person next to you, just take a little gun. Say, you're unique. God has a unique plan for you. Amen. So... When Now, this is something that I struggled with for many years. It says David was a man after God's own heart. So what do we think about? When you think of David, what do you think? Come on, come on, girls. Let's not do, get too holy on this. What do you think when you think about David? Bathsheba. Okay. All right. You know, I know he played. I know he fought the lion. He fought the bear. He got Goliath. He became king. But the majority of people would go, oh, Bathsheba, Uriah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, how could he be a man after God's own heart? Duh. Well, if you think about it, David was the only one in the Old Testament who said, I will build a temple for God. And today... Jesus says, I will build my church. So that man after God's own heart, the way Old Testament was, I will build a temple. He didn't build it. His son built it. But he had a heart to build it. Today, Jesus, the son of God, says, I'll build my church. And he's looking for the living stones to do that. So when we get to the New Testament, he's coming back for a glorious bride. Okay, I, we were talking this morning about a wedding that John did in the DRC where 50-something couples all got married at the same time. Woohoo! You know, but it doesn't matter who the bride is. Let me borrow a bride. Who, okay, who's got married this year in the last 12 months? Come on. What's your name? My name is Lucia. 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 Uh, Lucia. Lucia's just got married. Now, as a bride, did you feel special? Of course. As a bride, you know, you all instantly cheered about the bride. Yeah. The bride makes us happy. We are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. Now, if you'd seen her, did you get married here or in 
Oh, in Limpopo. Woo-hoo! With those cars all laden with goodies. Yeah. Um, as a bride, as a guest for a bride, would any of you have thought of throwing mud on her lovely dress? No. Would anybody have thought of just pulling a hair? We cherish these brides. We think they're so special. They think they're so special. And God thinks they're so special. You know what? You're becoming the bride of Christ. Goes with the honor. It goes with the honor. Don't throw. Think about it. If you threw mud on that beautiful dress. We don't throw, we never throw mud at the bride of Christ. So let's build that bride. Enjoy your marriage. Okay. And so, how are we building? We're building with a cornerstone. Can we go to the next slide, please? Okay. Can you see that picture? Jesus Christ, the cross, is our cornerstone. And we're building. He is the, he's the foundation in which we're building. But all of those stones are linked in together. They're only linked in together because he's the cornerstone. Okay, if he wasn't there, it would just all fall over. We actually passed somewhere yesterday where a, a truck had gone into a, a wall, and the wall had just, you know. I mean, a brick wall comes down quite quickly, but he's the cornerstone, and he makes it firm. And so what's the difference between a brick and a stone? Look at these on the, on the, on the thing. I'm going to ask my handsome husband of 44, going on 45 years. <laughs> okay, what's the difference? Okay, so come on, let's have some participation. The brick and the stone. Tell me what the difference, some, a difference. The shape. the shape. Okay, the shape. The bricks are all the same. The stones are unique. Man-made, and this one is made by God. Okay, so we've got this example. If you look, okay, <laughs> you can put them away, darling. <laughs> if we take the bricks and the stone example, when you walk out of there into God's creation, every cloud that you look at is unique. But when you look at the office blocks or the roads, when you look at the leaves on the trees, when you look at the water flowing, it's all unique. But when you look at the sewage pipe, it's... Now, God has made you unique. He's never going to do it again. He went, oh, I've done that, Rona. We're not doing that again. Um, so he's made you important. Now, in Genesis 11, this is... this was part of my revelation as we were cycling. Genesis 11, it's the Tower of Babel. Let's just turn there. Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9. I'm reading from the Standard Version, and it says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us, 
when there's a, a re repetition in a, par par a portion of scripture, God's trying to say something. So he keeps saying, let us, let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth, the whole earth. Their focus was on them and us. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children had made, and we know what happened, it all fell. When we focus on ourselves, it will fall. When we focus on God, it will stand. Let us not be bricks, let us be stones. If I go to where Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, you remember? He actually said, let my people go that they may worship. God is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Moses said, let my people go that they may worship me. God is into relationship. He wants us to be his children. He wants us to worship him. Pharaoh said, less straw, more bricks. The people are lazy. Do not be a leader that says less bricks, less straw, more bricks. You know the sort of guy, I can't afford to pay you anymore, but I want you to do an extra 10 hours this week. Uh, I can't afford to, to give you any... <laughs> yes, I can see a couple of nod, nodding. I've heard that one. Are we going to be Pharaoh leaders who want to hold on and this is my kingdom, less, less straw, more bricks, or are we going to be, let my people go that they may worship me? Amen? Amen. Which I know which one I want to be. Amen. I know which one I want to be. What is easier to build with? This or the stone? This is, this is the easiest to build with. So our temptation often in the church is to build quickly and easily, and we treat people like bricks. No, that was quite sharp, eh? Hey? Sorry. I'm sure you're not treated like a brick here, but anyway, I'm just saying. And But as the church, we are the church. We are the church. Are we treating people like bricks or like stones? Because if we're treating them like bricks, maybe we are withholding them the ability to go and worship. Maybe we're not helping them to find the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We can keep people so busy and so involved in doing things that they don't get to see the glory of God. Bricks are quick to build with. You can build something quite tall quite quickly. But I tell you what, it's really easy to knock it over. Those walls in England, some of those walls, that you saw a wall there. There's one wall called Hadrian's Wall, which was built by the Romans. It still exists. It's still used. It's used by farmers to keep their sheep in now. But there's no brick children's, walls left. Children's children. It is something that we need to realize that this is easier, but it's not God's way. This is not the way we should build. And I think that this, that's what we were really finding as we were going around the country, that there were some churches which were alive to God, like, like this lot. I mean, this worship team. Oh, my <laughs> hat. Shoo. 
Anyway, so, but it's alive. It's alive to God, this energy. You know that people here are really, I mean, I, that is the best offering message I have ever heard. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. I want to shake this man's hand. It was flippin' awesome. I, I, we, I used, we used to be pastors at Rhema. And that whole thing about, you know, the police coming to say, well, you know, oh, what's going on here? We did have the mafia in our church, some of them. You know, I mean, they were coming from the drug dens in, in Hillbrow. They used to come to church and say hallelujah and do deals in the bus. But anyway, they <laughs> so I want to say, I love that. There's life in this church. You can feel the energy. You don't have to look for the energy. Is there any energy somewhere under this carpet here? I don't know. Is there anything going on in here? You know, half dead people. No. There's life. Life is because we enjoy it. Life is there to be enjoyed. And the key is, is this scripture. Matthew 16, verse 13. It says this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Caesarea and Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, others President Zuma, I don't know, but <laughs> one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter who always got things wrong, he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, and answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. What are we building our church on? The thing we are building our church on isn't Peter. We're building our church on the realization. It's the knowledge. It's the conviction. It's the belief that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. And I want to tell you, that is the most important thing that we need to build our church on. That is the cornerstone that we can lean up against whenever we're in trouble. We know that the cornerstone is there and he's not going to fall over. Amen. We know he's there. And I want to tell you, we, there is a, there's a great story in the Bible where there were two guys who built houses. Remember that? One with, with stone and one with, uh, one, one on stone and one on sand. How many of them built a house? Both of them did. How many of them had storms? Both. How many of them had wind? They both had to say pardon. But there was that, there was, there was every onset came against them. Both of them. But one stood, one failed. Why? Because of the rock. The foundation. Jesus Christ. He is your foundation. He is the one that we can build on. So we need to embrace the fact that he has picked us up. He picked us up. Jesus says, I will build my church. He picks us up. Not 
If I do 69,000 things, maybe I'll get someone saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's Jesus builds the church so that we can go out to disciple the nations. He builds the church. But he will take you and he will interlock you into that wall. He will take the uniqueness that you have. He will take what you are going to bring into this house. Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified says this, For you are God's own handiwork and his workmanship. Just have a look at the handiwork next to you. That is handiwork. Hey? That is like Good real job, cool. God. <laughs> handiwork. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, so that you may do God's, God's perfect will, his will for your life which he has predestined and planned beforehand for you, taking paths he's prepared ahead of time, that as you walk in them, he says, you'll live the good life which he's prearranged and made ready for you to live. Do you know, he has a plan and a purpose for your life that is unique, it is special, no one else is going to be doing it, and we need it because it's part of the wall. When you're not doing what you should be doing, the wall will fall. The church will fall when you're not doing what God calls you to do. Dear Lord, let me just say this right here, right now. Please, all of you, don't feel you're going to be a pastor sometime in your life. That's not maybe your calling. How many of you here are business people? Put up your hand if you're in business. That is your calling. That's what you're called to do. You've got a unique place in God's heart. To build business. Build it. Build it. And affect the people in and around your business. Affect business people. Affect the people that work for you. Become the disciple maker in the environment in which you live. How many of you are, are in service? Maybe a doctor, a dentist, a candlestick maker, whatever. <laughs> but there's someone in, in service, in, in a nurse... I've got any nurses in here? Nurse, someone in service, maybe in the, in, uh, in in government. How many of you in government? Anybody in government? I want to say to you that you are there because you're called there. Yeah. Yeah. God I? called you there, and He called you in a unique way to influence. How many of you are are are, are mums who stay at home? Anybody staying at home, mums? Okay, no. John. Mum. Are they all downstairs? Oh, shame, shame. Carol. And how many stay-at-home stay, stay dads? Any stay-at-home dads? No, no. John? Okay, just yeah. I, God's just reminding me that, you know, those kids you saw, our grandchildren, how many of you know there's no junior Holy Spirit? Mm. There's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And one day, my daughter-in-law made some extra muffins. The kids came home. They were, I think they were about four and six, not something like that. They came home, and she'd made these muffins, and she said to the four-year-old and the six-year-old, I want you to go to your room and pray about who we should take these to. God's, I've done my bit. I've, I've made the muffins. Who, who should we take them to? So the four-year-old and the six-year-old went off to their bedroom. They took a piece of paper each. They can't write at this stage. Took a piece of paper each. They made a picture. One made a picture of a lady crying, and the other made a picture of somebody in a wheelchair. And Katie said, oh, I know who that is. 
And so they popped the kids and the muffins in the car, and they went and they prayed for the man in the wheelchair and the lady, his wife. And she stood and cried. Do you think those people would be blessed if a four-year-old, if God showed a four-year-old and a six-year-old that they're on their heart? It, it doesn't, this part of the wall comes in different sizes. It comes in different places. It's a church without borders. It's a church that's going out there. We were hearing last night about somebody who took their five-year-old into Mosul, which is the um, ISIS capital. capital. Uh, they flew in there. They didn't have to go there. And they said, oh, God, what am I doing taking a five-year-old into a war zone? And as they were in the plane coming over the top, they could see fires burning. And this five-year-old drew a picture of a lion. And he said, tell me about no, she doesn't write either. So tell me about your picture. She said, it's a lion, Daddy. He's walking through the streets there. But he's a happy lion. And this five-year-old was telling her, Daddy, Lion of Judah's with you. And they got, they landed, and they found out that in the local language, this town is known as the city of the lion. How amazing is that? Yeah, let's have he ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Let's be doers, whether we get up in the morning, whether we come to church, whether we go in on the bus, the train, whether we go into our, 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 with our kids, whether you're doing business. How many of you need wisdom in business? Oh, my gosh. Two hands. You know, how many think we need wisdom in government? Lord, give them wisdom. Okay. I want to say to you that today, I want us all to realize that we're a living church. We're not a dead church. We're not a dead church. Church is not about this building. Although it's very nice. It's not about this building. It's not about coming here, actually. Church is about us going out to do his will and purpose and to take Jesus out with us on the road, listen for his voice, hear from him on a daily basis. As we traveled on that bicycle, there was not one day that went past when God didn't speak to us when we, as we traveled. And we met people we didn't know we were going to meet. We went to places we didn't even know where they were. We had no idea what the day had in store for us. We didn't take very much because there was no room to take it. But every day, God showed us someone who needed a touch from Jesus. And I want to say to you that if we start doing that as a church, we won't be dead stones that people trip over. When you start to bring Jesus into an environment that is not used to him, he'll stand up for himself. You don't have to stand up for him. He stands up for himself. I'll tell you one story because it's relevant. I used to work in, in Johannesburg. I was a mining geologist. And we were down in the mi that mining area where Anglo-American is and all the rest of it. I don't know if they're there still, but they were all in the middle of town. And as a consulting geologist, it was lunchtime. So I'm walking through. There's a square there. And I'm walking through that square. And I'm, hi, I know all these people. I know everybody in all these different buildings. And I'm walking across. How's it? How's everyone? You know, I was a new Christian. And, as, and from the corner of my eye, I saw this, this sort of little lump 
of rags in the corner and it was, it was a street person in his blankets. And I, I kind of flicked my eye and, hi, how's everybody? And I heard this voice in the back of my, my head say, don't pray for him. And I thought, not now, Lord. These are all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you don't understand. They don't understand, you know, hi. You know, they don't understand what we believe, you know. Me and you, we, we believe, but they don't, you know. So, hi. And I carry on walking. And it was like, then it was like a, <coughs> go and pray for him. It's like, Lord, can I do it tomorrow? You know, one of those? How many of you ever felt that? You know, when it's a bit more convenient? <laughs> Lord, can I pray? And eventually, on the third nudge, I thought, okay, I'll respond. So I walked across to this, this man who was there. So now I know. I've greeted everybody, so they're watching me cross the, the square. <laughs> Whoops. So now all their eyes are on me going to go and stand next to this guy. And they're wondering, what, what's he doing? So in my brain, I said, well, I'm going to ask him if he wants prayer. And if he says no, then I, that's fine. All right? <laughs> so I said, can I pray for you? And he said, of course. He said, yes, please. <laughs> oh. So I pulled him to his feet. And I stood in front of him. And I thought, I've just got to close my eyes because this is so embarrassing. So I closed my eyes and I prayed for him. And I can't remember what it was. He was sick and obviously down and out. So, and I prayed for him. Let's call his name Jack. Jack, I pray for you, Lord God. I pray for him, Lord God, in your name. I thank you that this man would rise up from this place of affliction, that this man would be healed, and that this man would no longer walk in poverty. And I prayed maybe just for a minute or so. And I thought, now I've got to open my eyes. And I sort of kind of opened one eye. I looked around. And sure as Bob, I mean, now they were all really looking at me. But what I saw was behind this man was a queue of people waiting to be prayed for. Jesus will stand up for himself. If you'll stand up for him for one moment and be a stone, one of his living stones, and you will bring life into a lifeless area. I want to pray for people um, in those areas this morning because I want us to understand this is not about just coming to church and doing our Christianity here. It's out there. And if you, if you are working, if you're, just, if you're in the job or you're, you're in business, would you just stand up for a moment, first of all? If you're working... I'm going to pray for people like doctors and so on a little bit after that as well. So this is for like just general working, going to an office. These are the business people. This is Johannesburg. This is what we do. And I want us just to raise our hands to, to heaven. Holy Spirit, invade this place right now. Invade this place. Breathe life into each individual standing on their feet right now. Flow over them. I pray, Lord, that you would empower them. Lord, clean their ears out to hear you. Open their hearts to sense you. Let them know the presence of God as they walk. 
that they would not miss the opportunities you bring to them. Father, may these people not be working like bricks. But they, may they be working like stones, living stones. And right now in the name of Jesus, I empower them. I empower them to walk out this commission. That wherever they work, whatever their situation is, the Lord God, they will, they will bring your kingdom. They'll bring your kingdom. They'll bring your kingdom into that place of work. They will bring your kingdom into the office blocks. They will bring your kingdom that people will know that they are different and there will be a shine on them. Some will hate them. Some will be frightened by them. But those who are leaning in to hear your voice will be attracted to them. And I thank you, Lord, for many people being attracted to those people who are standing right now. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I want to just say, I'm, I'm believing for testimonies from that. Okay? I'm going to believe for testimonies for that. I think we've gone over time. Have we got one minute? Can I, I want to give you a testimony. That was a testimony from a while ago. Two weeks ago on a Saturday night, we were living on a very small, small holding. Two weeks ago, hopper's three in the morning, I wake up. My husband is screaming. There's a guy who's ripped the window off its hinges and throw uh, the kitchen window, um, and he is climbing through the window. Uh, I wake up, I'm going into handarabashende mood, uh, <laughs> <laughs> screaming away. And uh, now these two, John and my, and this, I mean, the gentleman was the size you are. Yeah, no, he, he was big. Stand up, please, sir. Yeah, he was that size. <laughs> Like, so, it's, it wasn't really a fair competition. He just found this feisty little white guy hanging about, you know. And I get up, and I think, I'm going to get out of my house, you know. And the next thing, uh, another guy lobs a brick, a second man lobs a brick through the, the window. The window shattered, the glass is everywhere. At that point, I thought, I think I'll go now. <laughs> John's still fighting with the, the guy. Anyway, long story, the guy climbs through the window. He picks up one of those cheap, nasty clicks kettles that was there, right? Never fight with the cheap, nasty clicks kettle. They don't work. So the guy picks up the kettle, hits John with the kettle. It shatters, and there's blood everywhere and what have you. So John, he's British, man. We had a teapot there. I've got a teapot. Very good <laughs> weapon. So he picks up the teapot, and he hits the guy, boom, one time. And that all shattered in the midst of the glass and everything else. I, meantime, I'm running to my neighbor, which is very, very close. I'm running to my neighbor. And I'm saying, hit the alarm, hit the alarm. And she pulled me in. Um, and she just locked the door behind her. Her husband went out, and he'd hit the alarm. Um, and she pulls me And she said, John, please, Father, keep John safe. Keep John safe. Keep John safe. Keep John safe. I mean, this could have been another story. So, they'd hit the alarm, the police arrived. South African police were superb. They were superb. 
The detectives came, everybody came, um, and they, they, had, they got away with very little. So some friends of ours arrived, uh, and they said, no, we're going to get you some breakfast, and so on. Anyway, somewhere in, as it went quiet after the police had left and before we could get the, the glass people in to come and do the glass, um, I posted on uh, Facebook, and I said, you know, don't get, don't get between a, a Brit and his teapot, you know. Um, <laughs> so this is now about, I don't know, maybe quarter to six, half past five in the morning, quarter to six, I post on Facebook. As we start having breakfast with these friends, and I'd, I'd, labor, I'd tag them to say they were there as well, um, the f they hadn't even seen the iPad. The iPad was next to the kettle. But they hadn't seen the iPad. So I just, I, I posted on Facebook. Get a call on Facebook, or get a, a message, messenger on Facebook. And they said, uh, Ronaf, call me quickly, call me quickly. Somebody's found your handbag. Somebody's found your wallet. Somebody's found my wallet. Somebody's found John's wallet. And we had spoken at something. I had met a lady at that, that morning. I hadn't been able to get hold of her um, in the interim, but I'd got her card in my bag. This young man had found the bag, found everything in it, and phoned the only number in the bag, because obviously the phone had gone and what have you. Um, he'd phoned the only number. Now, she didn't know my number. So she then phoned the organization, 6 o'clock on a Saturday morning. She phoned the organization that we'd spoken for. Tembelicha. Yeah, Tembelicha. Tembelicha phoned the person who is our friend. And at 8 o'clock in the morning, she said, Rona, get hold of this, these people. <laughs> By the middle of the morning, I met this guy. Now, uh, anybody here from Cape Town? Yeah. You know the Cape Town, the Cape Flats sort of story? You know? <laughs> where we have the tattoos that go from here to here and here to here. So this gentleman was a, he was one like that. Now he wasn't anything to do with the guy who'd broken in. The guy who'd broken in was, a, uh, was an African. The guy, who, this guy was not. He was from the Cape Flats or Cape Coast. Anyway, he, we go, he says, I haven't got it with me now. You need to come up into Hangberg, which is the top above the harbor. It's Tickville. It's just like tick town, you know? Uh, so I'm on my own, and I've got these two people, and they say, I've got to go into Hangberg. Right, Lord, we can do this. Okay, it's you, me, the two guys, and Jesus. Okay? So we get in the car, and I went up to the top with them. He goes to, get the, he goes to go and get the handbag, which is that handbag that I've got there. Um comes back, but in the meantime, I spoke to his girlfriend, and she tells me, she tells me she was abandoned as a baby. Her, she was adopted. Her father died. Her mother's recently died. She said, I've got nobody. I said, there's a God in heaven who loves you. There's a father who wants to adopt you as his own. And he'll never leave you. He'll never let you go. He's got a plan for your life. And we prayed. See, what the devil had intended for evil, God can turn around for good. And we don't have to live with fear because God is with us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And I want you to see that in every, every circumstance,
circumstance has an opportunity to proclaim his love, his grace, his goodness, his mercy, and his righteousness. The kingdom of God is righteousness. That's through Jesus Christ. It's peace. Peace in the midst of a storm. You may be in a storm right now, but you can have peace. I promise you, in, even in the shouting and the glass and everything else, we still have God's peace. And then I, get, I said to the guy, so why did you go to all that trouble to get my bag back for me? He said, I don't know. He said, I want to be good. I want to do it right. There's something inside of people that want to do it right. And Jesus is the way. So why don't you just close your eyes? Some of you have been through situations a bit like that. Some of you have been through those situations where others have abused you, they've hurt you, they've invaded your space, they've taken stuff from you. Whenever we see killing, whenever we see stealing, whenever we see destruction, we know it comes from the devil. He comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So we recognize his fingerprints. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and life more abundantly. Mm. So this morning, I don't know the people here. I just love the atmosphere. I love what this church represents. But Jesus has come to, to, to you today, and he says, I've come to give you life. I've come to make you righteous, not because of anything you've done, but because of everything that I did on the cross for you. And if that's you, and you need to accept that sacrifice, you need to know the Prince of Peace who comes and sleeps in the boat in your storm. If it's the Holy Spirit who needs to come into your life and tell you, oh, this is the way. Come on, walk in this. These are the people who need prayer. Go pray for them. This is the one who you need to speak to. Go speak to them. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's you today. So today, as you just put your hand up and say, yeah, I need Jesus. I need Jesus in the highways and the byways. I need Jesus because he's real, he's alive, he's good, he's kind, he's lovely, he's the Prince of Peace. I need Jesus because I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Is there anybody here who wants to make that commitment this morning? Say, yes, Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord, be my savior, be the one that stands up for me, be the one who returns my bank cards when they're stolen, be the one who returns my ID book when it's stolen. Be the one who looks out for me. Father, I thank you. As we go from this place, every single person here, you go with them. Lord, I thank you for this body of believers. And I thank you, Lord, you've put them together. And you've knit them together into a wall. And I'm just going to do a little prophetic act with you right now. I just want, just look at me for a second. Um, just, just look to your left and right and just see the, the person you've been put in the wall with. Okay, and then just, you know, when you, when you make a wall, it, it's quite tight. So, you know, it's kind of like, it, it's, it's put together with, you know, it's quite tight. It's, we're not sitting like this, we're like this. That would be British. So I want you to, I want you just to rub up and, and rub up against that 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 other stone next to you. Just feel that other stone there. Okay. Now, here's the thing. In doing that, what you're saying is, I'm knit. I'm knit together with you. Now, you have an option. 
as you admit together with that person, and as you rub up and down them, you could think, oh, I don't really like her perfume very much. <laughs> or you could say, what a colour shirt he's got on today. I mean, really? Yeah, there's all sorts of things you could say. But when we rub up and down against living stones, let's draw out from the living stones what God has put within them. Amen. Now let me tell you, this is Joburg. Gold sits in this rock. It's this rock, this one here. This is it. It sits in this rock. Now you have to smash a lot of this rock up to get a titchy, witchy, tiny, weeny bit of gold out of it. But you know what? There's gold in there. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff around our lives, which is like that rock. But inside there's gold. Let us be gold diggers. Let's dig for gold. See the gold. Look at this lot. They're all gold already. Look, they're all in yellow. See the gold in the person next to you. So watch what comes out of your mouth. Watch it. Because as you dig gold, you'll produce something of huge value. And you'll produce it for the kingdom. So I really want to encourage you on that. And during this fast time, fast is an amazing time. It's, it's, it is an amazing time, but you can feel grumpy and hungry. <laughs> this is a moment to dig for gold. And I believe that you are a gold nugget in this city. And as a gold nugget, you have value in God's hand. And as a gold nugget... It can be traded for many, many more lives. So I just thank you, Lord, for each person in this room, that they will look for the gold in each and every person that they rub up and down next to, be it at work, be it in the hospital, be it in parliament, wherever it may be, there will be gold diggers. For your glory, we pray. Amen and amen. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.